Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. We are kicking off a brand new series entitled Together. And uh, this is a a series on relationships. And uh, we're going to dive deep into it over the next four weeks. I challenged the men last week to be here. And uh, it's great to see all of you here. And I challenge you to make sure that your families were here with you as well. And uh, I think over the next four weeks, we're going we're gonna to take some serious steps forward in creating healthier relationships all around us, whether it's marriage, whether it's uh, classmates, coworkers, whatever it is. And so I'm excited about diving into this. Uh, I want to encourage you, grab your Bibles, head over to Genesis chapter 1. That's where we're going to start today. Uh, we are going to be in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Uh, years ago, my wife found out something about me, and it was the fact that um, I have trouble keeping rings. Uh, th- this ring I've held on probably longer than any of the others, but any time she, she sees a really, really nice wedding ring, because we've been married a long time, she's like, I want to I get this for you. She'll, she'll buy a really, really nice ring. And here's the, the, the correlation. The more expensive the ring is, the faster I lose it. It's crazy how that works. She's amen. Okay. Uh, So she bought me this really, really nice ring. And uh, within the first week, I go to the sink and I'm washing, add a little water, add a little soap, right? And the ring comes off my finger. And I can just see it going around the bowl. It's just kind of going around. And all I'm thinking about in my head is the drain. I don't want it going down the drain. But yet, I chase it. And I'm trying to grab it as it's going around. And I, I can't catch up to it. And it goes right down the drain. So in my frustration, I go, I get the tools, I take apart the P-trap, I have to take it out, dig it out that way. And, uh, and the whole time I'm thinking, why didn't I just keep it from going down the drain? I wasn't worried about it going around the bowl, I was worried about it going down the drain. Ironically, about a week later, same thing happens. I'm in there washing and it takes off, and instead of chasing it this time, I just stuck my hand over the drain. Went around a couple times, hit my hand, no big deal, I picked it up. I was like, awesome, I learned my lesson, right? See, I think in relationships, many times it's the same way. Uh, We find ourselves chasing things, worried about what the real issue is, knowing we don't want it to go a certain way or end a certain way or whatever, but yet we end up chasing it and we don't do anything about the foundational issue. We don't go right to the source and fix it. We just end up chasing our tail the whole time. So um, I I tell you that goofy illustration to say this. Over the next four weeks, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to talk about peripheral stuff. We're not going to talk about little bitty things. We're going to talk about, over the next four weeks, some very, very foundational issues that we have in our relationships. We're just going to put our hand right over the drain, right off the bat. We're going to get after it. And uh, these are some big, big items that many times I think maybe we're aware of, but we haven't really paid attention to it. Some of these might shock you a little bit as well. And so I'm excited about jumping into this today. Now, um, as we talk about this, uh, one of the questions I was getting last week is, is this a marriage series? And and I want to answer that by saying this, yes and no. Uh, It will apply to your marriages, but it's bigger than that. 
Uh, I'm approaching this from a relational standpoint, whether it's boyfriend, girlfriend, marriage, uh, parents, kids, co-workers, whatever it is. But I will tell you this, it, it, more than anything, it's about in relationships, all right? So uh, if you haven't been at Mountain View, Fellowships, uh, Mountain View Fellowship for a while, you might not know what I'm talking about when I say in relationships. Uh, one of the things that we talk about here, our mandate, our mission statement is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. And we foster relationships in three different directions. Up with God, that's our up relationship. In with other believers, that's the in relationships. That's what I'm talking about. And then, of course, out means anybody outside of the faith, people who don't know Christ, who need Jesus Christ. What we're going to talk about over the next four weeks is specifically going to be zeroed in on our up relationship and our in relationships. It's about the church, this family. It's about your life group. It's about your Bible study group. It's about, it's about your marriage. It's about your parenting. It's about um, being good, uh, good kids, honoring your parents. So it has to do with all of our relationships. And so we're going to have a lot of fun with this. Now, as I say that, I know the temptation many times when we do a series like this um, is for you to sit there and go, especially if you're with your boyfriend, girlfriend, or spouse, to go, I hope he's listening, right? Oh, I hope she heard that, right? That's the temptation. And I want to caution you against that because listen to me, you make a horrible Holy Spirit, all right? You do a horrible job at doing the Holy Spirit's work. Let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does, all right? And I want you, instead of giving into that temptation, oh, I hope he heard that, right? I want you to do this. I want you to come in here every week. I want you to be here excited, and I want you to ask this question, God, what is it that you're going to teach me today about relationships? I want you to do that because if you do that, we're all going to grow in this, in this series. And I really anticipate in the next four weeks, we're going to grow by leaps and bounds in our relationships. And so I want you to really be focused and to ask that question as you come in. Now, uh, this whole series, again, is about fostering relationships. It's important. It was important to Jesus. It's important to us. And so we make it a priority. We talk about fostering relationships all the time, and we want to do a better job of it. So today, what I'm going to talk about, and I'm just going to give you the kind of the the, the main idea, the big idea, the, the, my, my line that I'm going to use all the way through this message, I'm just giving it to you up front because I want you to know where we're going. I'm not trying to hide anything from you. I want you to get this this morning. We're going to be talking about our relationships, and we're going to be talking about consumption versus covenant. We're going to talk about consumption versus covenant. If you don't know what that means, hopefully by the end of this, you'll have a very, very good understanding of what it means to approach a relationship from a consumption standpoint as opposed to a covenant standpoint. Um, the other thing that I want to give you is the tagline that I'm going to be using. The question I want you to ask yourself as you're thinking about your relationship, is it they adjust to me or is it we adjust to him together? That's the line I'm going to use over and over again. Now, some of you, that's, that's ringing bells. Some of you are like, what does that even mean? We'll get into it as we go. Um, I want to set the foundation today by just telling you, I believe that all of us, that mankind in general, every single person on the face of the earth is desperate for deep, intimate relationships. I believe that's the way we were created, 
created all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When God created us, the very first thing was for community. We were designed for this. And when I make, when I make the statement, deep, intimate relationships, I'm not talking about sexual intercourse. I'm talking about situations with groups of friends, with family, where you are known and you know them. Like you could almost complete each other's sentences. You know what each other's strengths and weaknesses are. You know, you know, what you dealt with last year and what you're worried about next year. You're known in those circles. This is what we're talking about today. When you go to Genesis, you read the creation story and and where we're at this morning in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, God has already created the heavens and the earth. He's created the, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and the beasts of the fields. And he caps off creation by creating mankind out of dust. And and this is what it says in verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I love how it's just redundant. It wants you to get this idea that you are created imago Dei, in the image of God. God has placed his handprint upon you. You are created in his image. And so therefore, we have these divine attributes that are given to us because we are created in God's image. Now, that doesn't mean we, we have God's ability. We don't. But we have, we share some of his divine attributes. That statement alone has some extraordinary implications. That means the the way that you look at the people around you when you interact with people in the street or at work or here in church, it should change the way that you interact with people. When you understand that every single person was created by God, that he loves them, that he has created them in his image, that should change the way that we speak to each other. That that should break our heart and cause us to want to love the other people around us because God loves them. I mean, just that line alone. So God created human beings in his own image. Every person you come into contact with was created in God's image. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, you will never meet a mere mortal. Meaning everybody you come into contact with has a soul. And they're going to spend eternity one day, either in heaven or in hell. They're not just what you can see in flesh and blood. They, they are created in the image of God. I love how this starts off in verse 26. It says, then God said, let what? Let us make human beings in what? Our image to be like us. Three times. Isn't it interesting? It's three times. It's referred to, uh, referring to the Trinity God is three in one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're having a conversation in this moment. Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Now, we may not fully understand the Trinity. We might not be able to wrap our minds around that, but the fact remains that God is three in one. We talk to a lot of people who struggle with that idea, and I always ask the question, do you, do you believe that just your physical self, that that's all there is? And most of the time they'll go, well, no, I know there's something deeper. Okay, like what? And they're trying to describe a soul, you know, a conscience and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, well, that's two-dimensional. How much of a further stretch is it to say that God's three? You know, we have a God who is three in one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and in this moment, he is in perfect community within himself. And we are designed in his image 
which means that we were designed for that community. We were designed for relationship. And yet from the get, we blew it, right? You know the story, Adam and Eve. God says, look, uh, here's what I want you to do. We're going to experience a perfect um, relationship. All, all I'm asking you to do is just not do that one thing. Just don't do that one thing. And they had one job, right? And they blew it. And because of that, sin entered into the picture, and it broke that relationship that we had with God. Now, fast forward, and the question is, okay, if we're broken because of sin, we have a sinful nature, um, does that mean that we can even maintain a relationship? Can we, even, can we even have good relationships because we're all sinful and broken? And I'm going to answer that question as we go through this, but I'll just give you the answer right away. Yes, we can. God has made it to where you and I can experience very deep, intimate relationships with the people around, especially other believers, because of the Holy Spirit. I bring all this up because I want you to understand, and, and I might not even have to state this, but you need to know that relationships are under attack. Anyone know that? Man, we are under, they're under attack. Like relationships, you were designed in the image of God for relationship. What do you think Satan's going to go after? He's going to go after those relationships. There, there is a, an enemy that you have, a spiritual enemy, that is trying to drive a wedge between you and God and every other person around you. This is why relationship is so difficult. This is why sometimes you can be having a great relationship with somebody, have a great conversation, and right in the middle of it, all of a sudden, everything turns, and they're like, oh, fine, you're going to be that way? All right, let's go then, right? And you're like, what just happened? Especially in marriage, right? Well, you know what's happened? Satan's jamming his foot in the door. That's what he's doing. He's trying to drive a wedge between you and anybody else in, in, in your life. He wants to disrupt those relationships. Why? Again, we'll talk about this later, but because it's a reflection of who God is. That's why this is so important for us to talk about today. Now, I want you to think, just kind of, uh, you don't need to list it, just think in your head, how many deep, intimate relationships would you say that you actually have in your life? People who you know, and they know you. So we don't need to write it down because it's probably not a very long list at all, is it? If you have anybody that way. That fits that category. We struggle in deep, intimate relationships. Why? Well, because I think our approach is completely off. See, the scriptures are not the only thing that's influencing our relationships, unfortunately. In our world around us, there's a whole bunch of other loud voices that are teaching us how to form relationships in our lives. And so often, we are taught, whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we know it or not, we are taught to approach most of our relationships with a consumeristic, um, from a consumeristic standpoint. Um, we tend to view our relationships through the lens of consumerism. We really do. When we approach them that way, relationships exist only to meet our needs, only to bring us enjoyment, only, only to add value to our lives. And when we approach them from this standpoint, self becomes supreme. It's all about self. The mantra in this moment is you have to adjust to me. This is one of the biggest problems that we have when it comes to relationships is we start it going the wrong direction. Oh, we love each other. We're going to get married. We get married within a year. What happens? Oh, wait a minute. This isn't going the way I thought it was, right? You need to adjust to me. 
You need to make me happy. You've got to take care of me. And, and my needs are not being met. This is why we have lines like, well, I fell out of love. Right? And we start seeking for a divorce. We take this approach to almost all of our relationships. We, we go to life group and somebody says something that we're like, yeah, I don't know if I really agree with that. Pastor Mike, we need to switch life groups. We go to church and we're like, oh yeah, I would love it here. This is awesome. And they do a song that you don't agree with or, or maybe I say something that offends or convicts you. I'm like, nope, don't like that church. We're gonna jump church and go to another one, right? Why? Because we're approaching it with a consumeristic mindset. Self is at the heart of every interaction. And so it's all about us. It has to adjust to meet our needs, to, to bring value to our lives. Um, it, it's, it's what can I get out of the relationship? And we know this. Instinctively, we're doing this. And, and some of you, hopefully the light bulb's coming on right now because you're talking to people and as you're having a conversation, you're internally thinking, okay, what is this person going to add to my life? And if you're thinking, man, eh, not much, then you're already looking over their shoulder for the next person. When that person, listen to me, is created in the image of God and has great value. And we're missing out on what God has for us because we're taking a consumeristic approach to our relationships. And when we do that, there's no room for responsibility. There's no room for promise. There's no room for covenant. The Bible taught us to approach relationships just the opposite. God tells us that when we approach a relationship, it needs to be with the mindset of a covenant, not consumerism. And what's interesting is God is the one that created us. He's the one that created us for community. He's the one that created relationships. He knows how to do it. He's the one that established how you're supposed to do it so you might flourish in those relationships. And, and we're not following his direction. We're doing it our way. And we wonder why our relationships are in shambles. Wonder like why we're struggling so much in our relationships. In the Bible, the covenant is brought up over and over and over again. Uh, May Jean did a fantastic job in our directed prayer this morning of kind of walking us through some of those covenants. And, and just to kind of skim the top today, I want to remind you that a covenant, if you don't know what that is, if that's a new word for you, uh, I would just say it this way. A covenant is a commitment to a relationship. But in the Old Testament, into the New Testament, we would usually see that covenant sealed with some type of blood sacrifice. Two people would make an agreement. They would take a bull. They would cut it in half. They would lay it open, and they would walk through it. And it's the sign to say, look, if I don't hold up my end, you don't hold up that end, or we don't do what we're promising to do here, may we end up like this, right? Um, there, there's blood. And, and even uh, through the Old Testament, when they would sin against God or they would sin against each other, there was, in Leviticus, there were rules that they had to follow. They had to bring a goat or, or you know, something, a lamb. They would have to sacrifice the lamb. Boy, this, this made you take those relationships a little more seriously, didn't it? And I'm not saying I'm not advocating for animal sacrifice today, okay? I'm just saying back then when you had to kill something and you saw the blood splattered and sprinkled on the altar and you smelled it and you saw it, um, it had a little bit more, there was a little bit more impact than you and I today. Do you? I do. Do you? I do. And a year later, you know what? I'm done, Right? Um, we don't take our relationships serious anymore. Um, today, I thank God that we don't need to make those sacrifices. But here's the thing that we need to think about. Our blood sacrifice was in Jesus Christ. Do you realize he paid a great price so that you could have a relationship with God? 
so that you and I could enjoy relationships among, among fellow believers? It's through his blood. And here's what's interesting. We should be getting this right. I told you earlier, you can't do it on your own. But, but see, here's the thing. When we receive Christ, we go, God, I, I've sinned. I, I need your forgiveness. I want you to come in. Be my Lord and Savior. When we do that, we're filled with his Holy Spirit. We're forgiven. We're covered in his blood. And guess what? When we interact with other people that are filled with the Holy Spirit, we should be able to get this relationship right. We should be able to, to do a better job than the world around us. But yet, we just like the world outside these walls, are approaching our relationships with a uh, consumeristic view. What can I get out of it? Um, When we keep the covenant that God has established for us, good things happen. But when we try to impose our own will on God, devastating consequences can ensue. And I, I think as I'm saying that, some of you in this room know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you're there. Like you're dealing with the carnage that's left in the wake of a broken relationship. Like, like you could speak volumes about what's happening when you break a relationship, a covenant relationship. Um, the concept of covenant undergirds every relationship in Scripture between God and anyone else that he had a relationship with. There was always a covenant with that relationship. And like I said, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. God made a covenant with Adam and Eve, and it was, it was with individuals in that moment. And they messed it up. We've already established that. And so you go forward, and by the time you get to uh, Noah, he's making a covenant again with Noah and with the earth. Noah messes it up. You go to Abraham, and now all of a sudden he is, he's making a covenant with Abraham. And now it's no longer with a, an individual, but it's with a family through you, I'm going to bless not just you, but the rest of the world. Uh, You heard this read during our directed prayer, but Genesis chapter 12, it says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Who wouldn't take that deal today, right? That was offered to you. I'd take that in a heartbeat, but here's the thing. I I would mess it up just like Abraham did, right? Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, and you go down the line, and over and over and over again, they keep breaking the covenant, and it's just this this horrible cycle that they go through. Oh, God, save us, help us. Oh, and then they turn their back on God, and they would break the covenant again. And we find them, finally, in slavery in Israel. God sends Moses in, he rescues them, they bring them out, they go across the Red Sea, they come to the foot of Mount Sinai, and what happens? God makes another covenant with them. But now, instead of an individual, instead of a family, now he's doing it with an entire nation. And praise God, they make this covenant and they get it right from that point on. Right? As some of you know. It didn't take him very long. He wasn't even off the mountain. They were already worshiping a golden calf, right? They mess it up over and over and over again. And the whole world suffers because we couldn't keep a covenant with God. Uh, Actually, Isaiah talks about it. He says uh, in Isaiah 24, The earth suffers for the sins of its people, for they have twisted God's instructions, violated his laws, and broken his everlasting what? Covenant. Covenant. Of course, we have King David and, and all the other covenants, but it all comes down to the Gospels. Once you get in the New Testament, God sends his son, Jesus, the only person who's ever done it right. 
He chooses 12. He has other disciples that he works with, and even, even the unbelieving world he has a great relationship with. He shows us how to do it. Um, he lives a perfect life. He goes to the cross. He gives up his life. And before he goes to the cross, he's sitting down. He's having the last supper with his disciples. And he shares a cup of wine. And he says, this represents my blood, which is going to be shed for the new covenant. The new covenant. I'm doing something new. Because obviously over all these years, we have not been able to get it right. So I'm going to take care of it. And so because of his sacrifice, you and I, as I said before, can receive forgiveness of sins, but we can be made right with God and we can be filled with his Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can work in and through us to strengthen us, to temper us, to show us how to walk right, to to have good, deep, intimate relationships with each other. And, And this covenant isn't just with individuals, it's not just with a family, it's not just with a nation, but it's for the whole world. Like everybody has access to this. Everyone can be a part of God's family where we are trying to do this relationship thing right. Now, if you have never heard any of this, maybe you don't even know Christ yet, and this is all foreign to you, I want you to know that even you know what covenant language sounds like, right? Because covenant love says, I'm not going anywhere. That's what it says. And you know what covenant language sounds like because you've gotten your Sunday go to meeting clothes on and you've gone somewhere for a wedding, right? You've heard people exchange vows. And I, I do these all the time, you know, and I sit with the couple, the bride and groom, and we talk over all the vows. We get there on the day and I always have them face me, right? And there's the I do question or I will, which is a covenant to God before God. And then I have them turn and face each other And then they make vows, exchange rings, and all these other things, which are a covenant between the couple, between the two of them. And it's interesting to me, the language that we use. Because we say things like, um, for better or for worse, yeah. And you know what that sounds like, and you affirm it. Because imagine if you, if you went through all that trouble, you got up, you put your clothes on, you went to this, this uh, you know, wedding, and the bride and groom are up there, and they turn to each other, and they start to make their vows, and they say something like this, you know, she goes, um, you know, I, I will commit myself to you as long as you make $60,000 a year, right? And he responds, and he's like, okay, and I commit myself to you as long as you stay the same weight. Oh, was that too real? Oh, man, that got quiet. That got really quiet. But what would you do? Would you sit there for that? Because I wouldn't. I'd get up, I'd grab my toaster on the way out, and I'd be like, I'm out of here, right? Forget this. Why? Because you instinctively know that that's never going to make it. Because that's not a covenant. That's like, eh, business deal. If it works out, great. If not, I'm out, right? That's, you need to adjust to me. That's what that is instead of we adjust him together. Covenant love says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Now, I hate this because this is that moment where I have to stop and I have to say something that I hate saying every time, but I have to because in our culture, it's kind of, it's so jacked up. And I have to make sure that I I put this in here. Um, Stats right now are showing that one out of three women are physically abused in their marriage relationship. 
And it's scary to me because we're seeing the same thing in the dating scene right now. And so I feel like I have to say, even though the covenant love says I'm not going anywhere, I need you guys to know that in Scripture it's very clear. God never meant for you to be a doormat. You're not supposed to be a punching bag for somebody. And the majority of the physical abuse that's going on is men abusing women. Every once in a while it's a woman, but that's very rare. We're talking men here. So let me talk to the men just for a minute. Because if it's one in three and I'm looking across the room, chances are I'm talking to a few of you. And I want you to know, men, if you're banging on your wife, you need to know that that is a daughter of the Almighty God, and don't you think you can get away with that. There will be hell to pay for what you're doing. Stop it and get some help. Come see me, come see somebody. We will get you in counseling. We'll help you figure this out, but don't you go another day hitting your wife. Let me... Let me flip it just a little bit too, though, okay? Because we do see this too. We see women abusing their husbands, but it's not physical. Most of the time when women abuse their husbands, it's verbally and it's mental and it's emotional. And um, 17 years of being a pastor and uh, 10 years of being a police officer before that, I've, I've developed some thick skin. I just don't, I don't worry about it. You can, you can yell at me. You can send me an email. You can blast me all over social media. I don't really care. I'll read it. And if there's some valid feedback in there, I'll take it. I'll make some adjustments. But for a lot of the time, it's just people who are ticked off, and they're just trying to vent, and I just happen to be in the crosshairs. And I've just learned to have some, some thick skin. And, and if you do that to me today, you know what I'm going to do tonight? I'm going to read it. And if it's valid, I'll take it. If it's not, I'm going to toss it out. I'm going to have my dinner. I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to sleep great tonight. I'm not going to worry about it. But you know who can say something to me that cuts me to the bone? My wife. She can make one word, she can make a, st- a phrase, whatever it is, and that will work me over for weeks. She has a direct line into my heart and my soul that no one else has. And ladies, you underestimate the power that you have when it comes to your man's mental and emotional stability. You need to be careful with how you, do, how, how you uh, steward that. And God spoke directly to that. Do you realize that? Like, like if God was here, what he wrote in Scripture and, and, and what you do to your husband, if, if you did that and God walked into your household, do you know what you tell your husband? Buddy, pack your bags, let's go. We're just going to march out in the desert. Well, should I grab some water? No, it would be better, better for you. Well, am I going to die? Yeah, you're going to die. But it's better than, than this household right now. That's what God would tell your husband. He says it's literally better for him to march out in the desert and die than to stay in that house. It also um, likens it to water, water torture. Do you realize that? Like a dripping faucet is what God says. That's not me. That's God. So can I just say, please, please, we need to take this serious. Be careful with all of this. We do more damage than we're even aware of sometimes. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit is just using this to wake us up today because we got to get this right. Our relationships are critical. 
It's what God uses to reflect uh, his love to the world around. Um, covenant love says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm here. That covenant, that, that's this covenant love. That, uh, it doesn't matter ups, downs, uh, better for worse. It doesn't matter. I'm not going anywhere. And God designed it this way so that we could have deep, intimate relationships with friends in our marriages, our life groups, our churches, our towns, our countries, and the world. And you might be thinking, well, that's huge. Well, it's not really huge. Why? Well, because all you need to worry about are the relationships that God has blessed you with. That's it. Like, like all I got to worry about is my covenant relationship with God, my wife, my kids, my daughter-in-law, my grandgirls. That's what I got. That's those most important ones to me. My friends. I, I, and with all of you, I get up here and try to faithfully teach the word every week. That's all I got to worry about. Well, what about America? What about... It doesn't matter. That's not what God's put on my plate. And imagine this. If every one of us got this right, if we just worked on the relationships that God has blessed us with, I think the world would turn around. I really do. But we're getting it wrong on the first hole. It's like, this is ridiculous. We got to get this straightened out. Now, I want to tell you that I... Man, where I see it making a big difference, when we talk about viewing a relationship from a consumeristic point of view or a covenant, where I really see this play out is when we hit difficult seasons. COVID was one of them, right? Um, Oh, I love this church. This is awesome. But as soon as we make a decision you don't agree with, I'm out, right? That's consumeristic. That's not covenant. Um, as soon as somebody says something that offends you or you think is insensitive or, or um, we don't judge fair, favorably, you know, we don't, we don't take the steps to make sure that we're okay. We, they didn't follow up with me. All these things that we do, whether it's our marriage, whether it's friendships, whether it's circle of friends at work, and we go, you know what? I'm out. I'm done. That's consumeristic. Because covenant says, I'm not going anywhere. And what I want to see and what I'm trying to challenge you with today is whether it's your, your marriage, your family, your, your life group, your church, whatever it is, when you go through difficult times, and by the way, just as a side note, there will be difficult times. Why? Because you're sinful and I'm sinful. Because we're broken. Welcome to the club. We're going to mess it up. And when that happens, if we go, I'm not going anywhere, and we work through it, guess what happens? You come out the other side with a deeper, more intimate relationship than you started with. And this is the frustrating part. When we approach it with a consumeristic attitude, we go, oh, difficult times, oh, I'm out. And they bail. You don't even get a chance to see what it looks like on the other side. Most of us have never experienced what that's like. To go to somebody and say, hey, I I really struggled when you said this. You know, when you said that, it really got me, you know, messed me up here, and I'm I'm really struggling with that. You don't even have the conversation to even try to work it out. You just bailed. You ran. But for those of you that worked through that, you you came to an understanding, even even if you had to do this, oh, my goodness. Hey, you know what? I was wrong. I'm sorry about that. Or I sinned. Would you forgive me? I messed that up. You want to watch relationships go deep. Try that. 
And when you get to the other side, guess what happens? Your relationship is so much deeper and so much rich. And to the world around us, it reflects Christ. This is how they will know that you are my disciples in the way that you love one another, especially in difficult times. Man, when they're standing on the outside and they see you and they're like, um, they don't always agree with what goes on there. Or they had a struggle. I remember there was a, there was a you know, kind of a mess up there. Somebody wronged somebody, but they're still there and they seem to be getting along and they're laughing, having a great time together. Like that doesn't happen in our world. What's going on there? It's a reflection of Christ. And to the outside world, it screams. And they go, I want that. I want that. When you don't run, but you stay and you work through the issues and you don't bail on it, that's covenant love. That's I'm not going anywhere. We're going to figure this out. We're going to work it out. Now, our goal as a church, our goal as disciples of Jesus Christ is to make much of the name of Jesus Christ and to glorify God. And our covenant relationships should be a testimony of Jesus to the world around us. And even Isaiah was prophesying about it and prophesied about the impact that it has on the world around us. He said this in Isaiah 42, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a what? Covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, those outside of the faith, people who don't know Christ, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I'm going to use your relationships to bring about freedom and peace and joy. But I can't do it if you run. I can't do it if you bail. And the reason we do it is because we're viewing our relationships as consumeristic. Let me ask you, um, how are you viewing your relationships? What's driving them? Is it consumeristic or is it covenant? When you look at the people around you and you're having those conversations, is it you have to adjust to me or is it we adjust to him together? Because it makes all the difference in the world. I want you to work on this this week as you approach each and every person who is made in the image of God I want you to think to yourself, am I, am I approaching this from a consumeristic standpoint or from a covenant? And then I want you to work on that this week as we prepare for next week. Because when you come back next week, we're going to talk about, I think, one of the biggest stumbling blocks to intimate relationship. And I'm just going to tell you what it is. It's vulnerability. And we're going to talk about that next week. So let me just pray for us before we head out and start fostering relationships today. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in this moment, admittedly broken and messed up not getting this uh, relationship thing right because we are sinful, because we have taken a wrong approach to many of our relationships. God, would you please forgive us? Would you help us to overcome that? Uh, send your Holy Spirit and the strength of your Holy Spirit to help us this week to be able to foster relationships in a very um, covenantial way where we say we're not going anywhere. We're going we're gonna to love you. We're going to pour into you. Whether it's a marriage, whether it's coworkers, whether it's class, whatever it is, Lord, I just pray that you would move in those moments. Open our eyes so that we might see it. Help us um, to overcome our own selfish, selfishness, Lord. And in those things, Lord, we ask that you would continue to bold, boldly uh, strengthen our relationships so that we might reflect you to the world around us. We pray all this brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. And it's in that name we pray and all God's people said, amen.